morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode 13 of season 6 of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, I just wanted to say a quick thanks for all the lovely messages and comments I got asking if I'm okay um, and wishing me well with this bout of COVID that I just I just got through. Um, it does mean a lot that you took the time out of your day to send a little positivity my way, so thank you very much. Um, as you can probably hear, my voice is still a little bit scratchy, but for the most part, I'm back on my feet and I'm ready to talk about Tom Petty. So today's episode covers the penultimate track from Southern Accents, Mary's New Car. <laughs> Writing songs about cars can be a tricky proposition. Just ask Roger Taylor from Queen. Okay, Baby You Can Drive My Car may be an exception, but generally, songs about cars tend not to be particularly nuanced in their lyrical content. Tom confirms this in Conversations with Tom Petty as he tells Paul Zolo, it's based on the trusty Mary Clouser, and I think she got a new car, or we thought she should get a new car, so it was just a light-hearted thing. I'm sure every diehard Petty head knows who Mary Clouser is, but if you don't... She was a cornerstone of the Heartbreakers management team for most of the band's history. In Tom's words, she was the den mother to the Heartbreakers, managing all their crises and day-to-day needs. It's hard to know for sure, but I get the sense that this song was written closer to the end of the writing and recording sessions for Southern Accents rather than the beginning. And I would posit this because right from the get-go, this one feels like a hybrid of the regular analogue sound of the Heartbreakers coupled with the more sort of electronic and pop dance-oriented vibe that Dave Stewart brought into the mix. The liner notes for the album do have Stan Lynch credited with playing drums on the track in addition to the OBX drum machine programmed by Tom. But I'll be completely honest and say that I don't hear where the acoustic drums are coming in on this one at all. You know, so right away we get that repetitive additional percussion in behind the main beat. We also hear some very short staccato sax stabs in both higher and lower octaves. Probably both an alto and a tenor sax if I had to guess, as it has that very guttural quality in that lower register. The sax was played by an old friend of the Heartbreakers, Marty Girard, whose brother Jeff played on the band's debut album, and the sax will become more prominent later in the song. There's no real riff or melodic motif in this song to speak of, only several parts that repeat throughout, some dropping in and out in in different places. One of these, though, is that slick little guitar lick that Mike is playing, and the second is the piano part, um, which is panned hard into the left channel. Now, that part's curious because, to me, it definitely sounds like a digital piano, It's definitely not a grand and really doesn't sound like an upright, even rooted through an effects unit, but no one's credited with playing digital piano on this song, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's just an oversight in the liner notes. The piano tone really reminds me of early Peter Gabriel solo albums, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was an early, like a Yamaha digital piano of of some description or something like that. Interestingly, uh, it's also Mike Campbell who's credited with playing piano on this one rather than Benmont. So maybe this was a late-night jam session around a drum loop Tom had worked up on the OBX and laid the tracks for before the rest of the band came in the next day. Over the course of the 12-bar intro, the elements of the instrumentation are all brought in gradually before Tom takes us into the first verse. The song follows a very, very simple structure, um, you know, A, A, B, B, A. So verse, verse, chorus, chorus, verse, and then outro. The verses follow a 12-bar structure too, with eight bars of that drone-like single G chord with the piano change into the, into the suspended G underneath, uh, and then four bars of release with the D major, C, uh, and then back into that same pattern. 
So the chord change in these last four bars is accompanied by a slight sonic shift with Howie coming in and layering some ooze on the vocals. There's some fuller piano chords in there and a sustained sax note to give this section a very slight bit of dynamic change. I do like the echoed delay on Tom's vocal here too, with the second half of the word radio bouncing off into, into its decay. After this section, we then get four bars of the main theme before leading into the second verse, but in that last bar on the third measure, we get a chiming vibraphone played by Ben Montench. The second verse is almost a carbon copy of the first. Um, musically, it moves along at the same languid pace, never really stretching into any new directions, and even lyrically, only the second and fourth lines are changed. We're getting some more sax in this verse too, which leads us into the chorus, where we finally get a slight change in the rhythm section and a nice descending piano lick on the minor key change in the last bar. But it's a short chorus and again, doesn't stray too far from what has come before. At this point, heading into the solo, you might be expecting some sort of hard left turn, maybe a key change, maybe the drums dropping out or moving to half time, or maybe a switch over to an acoustic drum sound, something to really change the dynamic of a song that so far has been a little bit one speed and repetitive. Unfortunately, we just get the same main progression played out under a sax solo that, to its credit, does add something to the song. Though I can't help but think a slide guitar solo or something completely sonically different could have made this section way more interesting. The saxo is really tasty though uh, and, and understated and it fits the vibe of the song perfectly. already for some petty trivia. Your question from two weeks ago was this, who is the first person besides Tom and Mike to receive a writing credit on a Heartbreakers studio release? Is it A, Ben Montench, B, Jimmy Iovine, C, Tom Ledden, or D, Dave Stewart? Well, as we're covering Southern Accents and its pop-infused influences, I think most of you guessed that the answer was D, Dave Stewart, who of course co-wrote three of the songs on the album with Tom and brought an entirely different sound to a Heartbreakers record that was already fraught with creative issues. Now, I adore Dave Stewart, and his output with the Eurythmics is as close to pop perfection as you can get. I also think that Don't Come Around Here No More is a complete masterpiece, and a track that has a lot more depth to it than you first realise. However, I still can't help but wonder what the album would have sounded like if Tom had stuck to his original concept and included more of those Southern-themed tracks. Something to dig into on the album rap episode, for sure. Your question for this week is this. What is the title of the Winslow Homer painting that is used as the cover for the Southern Accents album? Is it A, The Veteran in a New Field, B, Harvest, C, From Field to Table, or D, The Work of the Honest Man? Okay, back to the song. So coming back out of that solo, we go to the chorus again before leading into the last verse. This verse doesn't build as much as maybe it could either, although there are some decent little piano licks in there, and there's also finally a, whoa, let me back that up and listen to that again, moment. At 2.33ish, in the change from the first eight bars to the last four in the verse, before the line, and we want to go, there's a super tasty little augmented guitar lick that Mike plays that's mixed up nicely so you can really hear it clearly. Leading into the We Wanna Go Where She Goes, Mike also starts to adding some chiming broken chords and, you know, a few more licks uh, he, he adds also in the outro. And again, the echo and delay is washed over the vocals and the drums are dropped out for a few bars in the outro. 
we get some more sumptuous harmonies from Howie and a little tinkling piano from Mr. Campbell, but overall, it's basically more and more of the same. And if I had to speculate, and why the heck not, maybe Tom was messing around with the drum machine and came up with that loop, like I said earlier, you know, a late night thing, and with the little bits and pieces added, you know, then started strumming over top of it and vamping the lyrics. Maybe Mike was the only band member left in the studio, which is why maybe he's playing the piano. It's easy to see a song like this having a, a very organic jam origin. That's that late night feel to it. But despite the title of the track, it's not a stereotypical driving song. Where Running Down a Dream feels like a high-speed thrill ride, Mary's new car definitely feels much more like Driving Miss Daisy. And I think what flattens this song most for me is the lyrics. They kind of feel like placeholder lyrics that were never actually replaced. Uh, and I completely understand Tom saying that it was light-hearted, but it's also really lightweight. There are only 10 different lines in the entire song, over three verses and a couple of choruses, and I realise that not every song has to have the weight and content of Rebels or Southern Accents, but even Tom's light-hearted numbers usually have a little more substance to them than this one. I'd submit, you know, Same Old You or A Thing About You as examples of Tom being glib without being, dare I say it, a bit boring. But the lyrics to this one don't do anything to help the repetitive feel of the whole piece. They don't really say anything, and what they do say, they repeat and don't really paint any sort of picture with. It's a rare thing to say about a Tom Petty song, but I think the lyrics in this one drag down an already rudderless effort. Okay, Pettyheads, that's all for this week. It's a pretty short episode, eh? But really, there's not a ton of meat to scrape off the bones of this song. For me, Mary may have a new car, but it simply never gets out of second gear. In fact, it barely makes it off the driveway. I think it's one of the only times that Tom got anywhere near an act of hubris in including this song on the album at the expense of some of the songs that were left off. I don't hate the song, and there's still little flourishes like Gerard Sachs and that little lick from Mike Campbell or the cavernous echo on Tom's vocals that I do like, but overall... I'm always just, whenever I'm listening to, to Southern Accents, I'm always amazed that this one made it. Even more so than those, you know, the, the two Dave Stewart cl uh, collabs that I kind of rated as fives, just because, you know, at least with those ones, you could see that they were trying to do something different. This one just plods along. It's sort of like a, a piece of mood music from a, a tepid 80s teen drama, if you take the vocal off it. Um, it just never gets anywhere, and it doesn't have a single Heartbreakers-esque defining feature, other than maybe Tom's voice, but even that's... You know, he's, he's not pushing himself at all in any way. Um, I do love the sentiment of writing a song for a deservedly beloved member of the Heartbreakers family. I just don't think it's any more than a B-side at best. And it's not surprising to me that this one was never played live. Again, I never skip it if I'm listening to the album, but it is one that I'm just sitting through waiting to be done. So I'm probably going to annoy a few people here and give this one a 4 out of 10. And it's raised to a 4, to be honest with you, by the inclusion of a nice sax part from Marty Gerard. Please remember that you can continue to support or support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine in many different ways. Please do so if you have the means. Um, that link to the Red Cross donation page is still in the episode notes and it'll continue to be there as long as it needs to be. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out um, on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something there that you like. Good people doing great work and adding new members all the time, including Seaside Pod Review. That's my other podcast that I do with my friend Randy, who does all the music for this podcast. Um, come check us out talking about Queen, um, slightly irreverently sometimes. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And of course, you can find me on YouTube. 
So follow, like, subscribe, all the things, do all the things, leave a review, leave a rating, all the things. Um, and again, just tell someone about the podcast. That's the best way of getting the word around. Keep talking to me on social media. Um, I always say this, and I, and I do mean it. I love the conversations that I've been able to have with you guys online. Um, and some of the people that I've met who message me and send me sort of tidbits of information, this, this, this that, and the other. So very, very cool. Um, a reminder that the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please use official streaming platforms. Go to the YouTube channel. Um, you know, don't download Tom's music. Um, if you're looking for merchandise, of course, go to TomPetty.com. You can check out my website as well, uh, TomPettyProject.com, for some unofficial merch that is not branded with the Tom Petty name, but are, is based on sort of lore and lyrics and situations throughout from the band's history and that kind of stuff. So go check that out. Um, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you're not already a member of those, uh, they're great fan communities and they're well worth spending um, your time in. So until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the last song on Southern Accents, The Best of Everything. Bye-bye. <laughs>